This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer. And today we have a very special guest to Mr. Tony Serrani. Hey, how are you doing, Evan? How you doing, Tony? I'm doing good, brother. Thanks for having me on the show. Tony's the CEO and publisher of Advisor Hub, a publication I've been pretty much has been my usual morning walk. I'm walking my dog. And the first two things that come up is Advisor Hub. Financial planning also comes up in Advisor Hub. There's always the two pieces that I love, which is advisors on the move. And then what crazy like enforcement situation took place over the week. That was really interesting. Tony, you've been CEO and publisher since 2016. Tell us a little bit. Now you've been in the business for 31 years prior to taking over Advisor Hub. I saw started at Merrill and the managing director at Morgan Stanley. Tell us a little bit about your history, how you got in the business. And then how does somebody who's in our business all of a sudden just become CEO and publisher of Advisor Hub? Good question. But, you know, again, you, you grew up in Brooklyn and you were a doctor, lawyer, or Indian chief, you know, those, those are your choices, but Indian chief slash Wall Street, you could do. So that's how I ended up, you know, Wall Street. I actually went to law school in New York, got a master's degree. So I'm a New York kid. Now I live in Middleburg, Virginia. And the only time I saw a horse when I was a kid, it had a cop on it. And now I got a horses in the backyard kind of thing. So that was new for me. Worked at a great company called Leg Mason down here. Did start at Merrill as a broker. They lied to me at some point and told me management was going to be fun. So I gave up my book. That was a freaking mistake. Don't anybody else do that. But it landed me. I ended up here. I started um, in that 2010 debacle when everything sort of went sideways. I'm just trying to think that the years I started Advisor Hub, I think before that, but I don't remember the exact date, but it's been about seven, eight years, I think, since we've been doing this. But back in the 2010, everything kind of fell apart. Smith Barney went out of business. Smith Barney bought Lake Mason. And then I was just, you know, dead center of all that nonsense that went on there. And eventually after they keep cutting your pay, and I think there were 1200 managers when we joined Morgan Stanley between the two firms. And when I left, I think there were like 80 of us. They're just, they just was <laughs> getting restricted. Uh, and I figured I can go broke on my own. I started uh, Washington Wealth Management, which became Kestra Private Wealth. And then I started Steward Partners, which was now still a great firm growing and doing well. I rolled out the PR and marketing functions at a steward and I took on clients like Raymond James and Hightower and people like that and started advising firms and you sort of took off there. I had the opportunity to buy Advisor Hub, which was a lot of fun. It was a salacious blog when I bought it and turned it in, I think, to the best news site on the street. We've sort of changed the way news coverage works in our business, which has been fun and exciting. And we have these great events. We have about two magazines. It's just, you know, done what it's done. It's interesting too, because most of the people that run these financial scenes are not people that were from our business and that truly understand us as advisors. And the interesting thing, and it's very similar to the show, basically a blog, if anything, now a spec on the dot, but the concept of the show was advisors talking to other advisors and talking to other people that are of interest to advisors in the business and advisor hub has turned completely into that. And the fact that you come from that business and that background it must be interesting to you when a writer or somebody comes up with an idea or an article and you're like, this is not going to resonate with advisors. All the time. And it's, although we have a great editor, Mason, who's the editor in chief over there, he's been doing this for a long time. He really understands the business, but you know, still, I mean, this, I always feel like, well, this is the angle guys. This is not the way to do it. That's the way to do it only because I've done it, or this is the way that works in reality. Sometimes that's a good thing to, to tell, bro. Well, this is what the firms are telling you. This is what the news kind of says. But in reality, this is the way it works. You walk into an office, this is what happens. So that's been, I think, helpful. And you still own Steward Partners? 
I don't own the whole thing. I'm an owner. Oh, got it. Got I, it. I have my shares. I don't know what you would call it. Founder shares. You know, got it. Stream. But you still are practicing as far No, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm no not. Just... this is full time. I do this and I consult. So I can, I have a consulting practice where it's mostly CEOs and presidents of firms, things like that. But of course, having been an advisor informs everything that I do. And it's more, more of the consulting you're doing is kind of on where the practice management business is going, where the advisor role is headed. Like there's just, there haven't, I don't know of anyone else who's started to, was a managing director at a bunch of wirehouse firms and started two multi-billion dollar RIAs, right? So you, you just, you just narrow the. The gap. And then he added Advisor Hub into it. The great thing about that is I really have my ear to the ground here, everything that's going on. We do series of predictions every year and things like that. So it's just in a unique position, but all because I like doing it. It's just fun. And how much time do you spend weekly at Advisor Hub? That's a full-time job. It's yeah. one of those things you can, you know, you wouldn't, we've had to sort of invent everything and we've sort of Events is a big thing, for instance. Everybody has an event, but we didn't, of course. We had nothing. So we've just had to sort of build it as we go. Very cool. So there's two sections I love. First of all, I get your emails. The advisors on the move section is always entertaining, always interesting. Even when I moved twice, I was on there twice as far as as far as moving firms. And it's interesting. I'm like, where are they getting this information? Where are they getting my data from? But the enforcement section are is always entertaining. How do you find the enforcement stuff to 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 get out there? Is it more word of mouth? And then you kind of- No, no, no. Well, these, again, it's the reporters. They're really good. Miriam Rosen now is doing a lot of the enforcement stuff and she's she actually has kind of a legal background, so she really understands it. So it, all the credit for the reporting every day goes to the reporters. I mean, they do it. If, if anything, I may have helped start the structure with Mason. He was one of the first employees that came on. So they've done a great job. The whole thing, it, it's all just the markets are, it's all fear and greed, right? You want stories that are going to help you make more money or value your practice in some way, which the advisor moves do, or maybe we have something in there about what's going on with the markets or fear. What did this idiot do with his corporate credit card? That's going to come back and bite me or what stupid freaking mess did this guy get himself into? So, and also yeah, as a practical matter, I, we know that the folks at Finger read it, right? They want to keep on top of what we're following and what we highlight. And I just think it makes sense if you're an advisor to, to keep it, keep abreast. Look, it's inside baseball, right? Yeah. It's just, I don't know if you were advisor, this would be, some people read it and say it's fun that aren't advisors, but I don't see how it, if you're an advisor, it's really fun. It, well, there's two aspects to it, or maybe three. One, like, what an idiot. Like, every time I read one of them, I'm, I'm like, what's going on? Two, I want to know the other side. You know, was there a clean side to that? Isn't salacious? And it was the story blown up? And then three, I think it gets people out of our business, too, that are what I call the American greed folk, right? Like, the, the ones that should be on that show and out of our business <laughs> completely. I mean, uh, you know, again, I think if you were from outside and you read it, be like, oh, my God, there are so many advisors that are having problems. And, of course, it's really not. It's a very small you know, it's newsworthy because it's man bites dog. It's not something that happens every day, which is why it's newsworthy. But there's also a value there, I think, for financial advisors just to see, just to even see how enforcement, because sometimes there's, we, there are also stories about this is unfair. Yeah. Why, this doesn't seem right to me. Why is this guy being singled out? So I think there's that too. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's when, when any, anytime a non-advisor says, oh, I listened to your podcast, they go, I go, this wasn't for you. <laughs> this wasn't for you, you know, so. I mean, we, I always say we, we do three, three kinds of stories you talked about. And all of our stories are original, right? So they come from the reporters have to report them every day. They're tasked. They have at least three new stories that no one else has. We get picked up sometimes in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, because 
look at, they don't have desk guy who writes on our beat for the wall street journal. He's got 10 other things to do, right? They have more important things to do. And we'll write stories that get picked up and the world may care about, but we write a lot of stories like Merrill cancels Christmas with a picture of the Grinch and they don't have any more. Well, nobody cares about that except our guys who really care about it. You know what I mean? So you just, it's an audience that I'm very grateful that it's so engaged and that they're, and they help us, by the way, a lot of our stories come from the audience. Yeah, I would figure you have sources that are in the business that can help shed light for you. Talk to me a little bit about the deals and comp page. So I went onto the website. I thought the idea was phenomenal that you could show what payout grids are, what advisors are getting compensated on front end yep. and back end bonuses. But what I did notice is that there are like three or four firms that are sharing that information. Many of the firms on there are not. It's more of a promotional piece for them. I was wondering, we don't have that right now. If an, if I was looking to leave, and you have advisors on the move, right, that section, but if I was looking to leave, I would love the idea to go to the deals and comp section and be able to break down what everybody else is out there paying. Have I you thought about- you, a, you have a general idea. I think you can go through those pages and figure it out, who's doing it. But look, it's also what they want to share, and they're obviously trying to- I think it's a one-stop shop to look at firms. They'll put their best foot forward. Yeah, sure, that's a pitch, but that's the idea, you know what I mean? And- Thank goodness to the rising gods. We want people to be on the site and talking to our audience and saying, hey, we respect these and get the guys enough that we're going to put ourselves out there. So I think that's what happens. But some firms are very transparent and some aren't. Maybe that should give you an idea of who to talk to. I want to dive into that last sentence though. Yeah. Why not be transparent with, and again, I understand on the wirehouse side, but on the independent side specifically, why not be transparent about what you guys offer? I think also sometimes when you look at, I'm not trying to make a thing here, but having run a couple of those businesses, I think today- it's different. It's a different world. I think there are, there's independent with help. There's, you know, there's dual, there's this, there's, there's so many other things. I think what's going on in our industry and just keep reminding me if I don't answer the question directly, but the, uh, there's a move to the middle, right? So these first battles, I remember myself or Cheryl Penny, some of these other guys, we came out of the wirehouses, started our firms and it was just, it was a challenge just to educate somebody from a wirehouse as to what it was to be independent. And by the way, I think the wirehouse options are great for some people, right? It's still a good option if that's what you want to do, but it was educating. I don't know what this is. Let me try to explain to you. And it was hand to hand and trying to figure it out. Nobody looked at the independent space, not no big producers, right? All of a sudden today, it's a different story. Everybody looks at the independent option, okay? But they have different notions about what that is. And there are so many things. So to say it's not really apples, it gets to a point where when you know these firms well, it's not apples to apples. I'm giving you real estate. I would not touch your real estate. I'm giving you support. I'm not giving you anything. So if somebody's got 100%, somebody's got 90%, you're getting, what are you getting? It's very hard to compare. So you have to educate yourself today to figure out where it is. I think that firms are moving to the middle. This on one side are the wires. On the other side, these quirky RIAs or mass marketing RIAs, right? Everyone else has accepted this notion of the primacy of the client, the primacy of the advisor client relationship. And they, there's a lot of, it's an ethos that's wrapped around what the, and that's the independent ethos that we had when we first broke away from wires and said, Hey, we want to respect each other. We're sick of the, we want better culture. So now that's here, but that middle ground is not just RIAs. I think Stiefel can make a good argument. Hey, welcome. We, we've been here for <laughs> 20 years, right? We've always had, we, you own your own book, you do what you want, or Janny, or some of the great regional firms that have great culture, right? But you get to pick your flavor. And that's why it starts to get confusing today because you say, I know what independence is, but do you really? You have an idea, but the place has shifted quite a bit. It's funny you say it too, because we've had a lot of people on this show and there are people that truly believe that if you don't own your own ADV, then you're not independent. And if you are not 
uh, a hybrid, then you have conflicts of interest. And there, I, you know, it, what I've learned is that it's different strokes for different folks. Some people are completely happy on the employee ch- side, go into their office a few hours a week, do do what they, they should do. be there. There are some people who need to be there. They're disorganized and they're no, don't lie to yourself. I mean, it's great. Figure out what you want. And that's why I'd like to put all those firms in the middle. I'm not such a believer in parceling out independent. Yes, you should know what sleeve you're in, of course, but there are a lot of flavors of ice cream. And at the end of the day, I'm not promoting any one over the other. You know, I started Stuart, Stuart like a Janney. I mean, what's the difference between your payout of a Janney and your payout of an independent or pay? It's not that much, depending on your rent and this and that. You got to make those decisions by understanding what it is you're looking at. No, but scrolling through that list, I would absolutely suggest, if you won't, I will, <laughs> that, fir- that firms out there should just be transparent or at least give a range. Because I think what you're doing is that if you don't give that range and it's just a flavorful of the advertisement I, I just, of the firm. Yeah, I agree. I can't make them do it though. So <laughs> that's the bad. But yeah. I agree with you. The more transparent, the better. I, I think it just helps. It would help me in my search too. Yeah. Sure. No, I figured there was there's advertising issues, and you, can, you definitely can't force anybody to do anything as far as that goes. Advisors to watch, as I said, I, I like a lot. But something that you guys just started to do is your new advisors to watch lists. And was that new this year? Is that brand new? Yes. Okay. So in the past, our business is, is funny because. You get into the business and you're struggling for a while. And you might be a student of the game. You might not be. You might inherit a book. You might not be. You might have bought a book. You might not have. You get to a level of sophistication. The list used to all be Forbes, right? Or it was Barron's. You know, get on the top 1,200. Get on that Forbes list. And if you can't get on that, you can't get on that. And it's funny, on LinkedIn lately, you'll see people going, you know, if you're on these lists, you should not advertise that. Well, I'm going, what? No. If you get on a list advertise it. Any promotion is good promotion, specifically positive promotion. But what I really love about your list, and I got, and full disclosure, I'm on your list. I don't even know if you know that, but I I got put on the list and that we did not connect from that. You made a comment on Jackie, Jackie's last name, Wilkie. Jackie Wilkie's podcast, you had had liked it. And I saw that you were the CEO of Advisor. I'm like, I love the magazine. I want to see if I can get him on. And I messaged you. That's how we connected, by the way. Uh, Full full disclosure. But uh, no, but I'm on your list. But I didn't, first of all, I didn't know how you got, how I got on the list. But what I liked is, is that it's not just about revenue and it's not just about assets. And it's not, and as well as I know, if you stay at a firm for 20 or 30 years, the likelihood of you having bigger assets is probably going to be a lot higher because you could. And that's, that's, that was the thing. All these lists look exactly the same. Cause if I just take, if I just take assets and put it there, look, and if I was here 20 years, our business is a pyramid scheme. I hate to say it that way, but you stick around, you inherit books, you inherit the longer you're sitting there. And then the markets maybe help you a little bit. They help you a lot, right? So the markets increase and all of a sudden I'm sitting on a billion dollars. And of course you, it just gets more and more. So really you're rewarding people for either inertia or for building a book 25 years ago. Well, shit, I could have done that 25 years ago, right? So we wanted to find a way to reward people for doing the job of an advisor, which is going out, getting clients, servicing them and growing your book. Now, look, it just so happens that a lot of the people on the list are also billion dollar producers, right? But we have people that aren't. And we also had 200 firms participate, 200. You know what I mean? I mean, so that's having the breadth and the outreach was important having the growth. We also have a character component, which lets you put your thumb on the scale. You do charitable works and things like that. And that we just had a more diverse and inclusive list because of it. But the intent was to sort of reward people that are doing the job well, where growth was, you know, sort of equal to assets. No surprise that a lot of them growing strongly are big books. That's okay. But it was also a lot of, you know, smaller type, not small, but you know what I mean? You had to have 150, whatever. There was a minimum number, but it did reward people who were sort of growing. And that's what I really liked about it. 
Well, if you've been in the business for 15, 20 years and you're well underneath your minimums, there's probably, you might be good at what you do, but you're just probably not a good people person. Uh, well, there's a whole thing. Advisors tend to get fat and happy, right? At some point, you know, and it's a good and bad thing. I don't know that I would change it, but there's a lot of advisors that they're, that's the first person with ever making money in their family or ever making, and you know what? I'm living in Missouri and I'm okay in this, in Joplin and I'm the top guy here and I'm done. I have a comfortable life. I love my clients and that's it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's a level of, of, of revenue or assets or whatever it is where you get to, you're just kind of good where you are. You're making yeah. it up for what you do. But what I, I do love the fact that you're trying to compete against those big firms and it's no longer just about assets. The, I, I do like that third component. That third component actually adds value over how much assets you actually run. When did the idea come up to do it? And was the thought, hey, we know advisors better than those magazines do. We're at the end of the day, we're talking to advisors. We are the advisor hub, pun the name. When did you make that decision? Like, hey, we want to start doing this. Yeah, we, we always wanted to do it. So it was just a matter of as we're going, look, this is where we do our podcast. I see you have a microphone and headphones. I don't have a microphone and headphones. <laughs> we're, we're just, and we do things as we, as we can. I don't think it looks slapped together, but the fact is you got to have a certain number of employees to make that work or else I'm doing it all. We brought on a great, another shout out to an employee, Brendan Yetters, our new CMO, chief of marketing. He came over from a, a great organization as well. And, you know, without him here, we couldn't have done it. So, I mean, adding him helped us the way that is. And your same thing on your team, right? You build out, an insurance capability and all of a sudden you can do insurance, right? Not that you didn't want to do it. What's the next step for the rankings? Did first year, was there, what, did you look back and you go, we should have tweaked that a little bit. We should have changed that a little <laughs> yeah. bit. It's more, there's a million things we could have done better and whatever we did. We didn't anticipate the response, I think part of it. So we're glad we, and then we have very large firms that are friends that we did it quickly so that it was, they didn't have a chance to respond. They really want to be in it. So next year, it's actually going to be a thousand advisors to watch only because we have some the remaining huge firms in the industry want to be in there, but I'm not going to curtail the 200 that want to participate as well. So we're going to try to make it together with everybody, but it just, we need a bigger list to do it. And then the events themselves, out of that event, we had a women's meeting at the event. And I want to tell you, fascinating. It was great. Women were terrific. And they were all big, but they were there because they were top producers. You know what I mean? We had a sort of a section. So now we're going to do a women's group meeting in New York City at the university club, which is a fun place to do it. We're also out of that meeting came a billion dollar roundtable. So we're inviting a bunch of billion dollar producers, you know, to get together. And the reason we do that is because we have a CEO a symposium, which is just CEOs. And I can't tell you, I close the doors and how much we get out of it. Who's struggling with back to work problems or back to the office or back to the, there's just so much stuff going on. And as with a billion dollar producer, you have some problems that are sort of unique to you and your practice and how will you be see women have the same, you know, thing. It's not necessarily the best thing in the world to separate them out, but they do have stuff that they, they talk about and that's, they're so helpful to each other. So I'm looking forward to it. So that event, that one advisors to watch event, which was sold out. Now we need a bigger venue to get everybody, which is great. It's created a lot of positives, but it's a lot more work for us going forward. So we're hiring people to help us get it all done. Fantastic. And ha have you thought about a video show for Advisor Hub? Something like that once a month we can log into and- uh... Have you seen my videos at all that I do? The, I uh, have. The podcast? So that's really it. We try, we work a little bit with 3X Equity. They do a good job of, of morning put together something we call the FA show, which uses some clips in, uh, of ours and stuff. I think there's definitely room to do it. You know, we just, we just don't have the staff 
to put together all the ideas that, that we want to. We're a profitable business. We're doing very well. So I think we can start making investments. We're hiring more reporters and things like that. So you'll see us continue to grow. Fantastic. And, and again, we were profitable before, which is how we got the good marketing guy. Now we're again. So that's how we, you know, we're just, we'll just build it. I'm just trying not to be stupid in building it. No, we, I, I, we I don't need anybody else's money. Well, and I think the most important thing is building it as great as a CEO and as an entrepreneur, you want to build your business. But at the end of the day, keeping it grassroots to the advisor, I think, and not trying to, and you do a great job of that, by the way, not not segregating independent advisors or wirehouse advisors or bank advisors. Really, it's a it's a one stop shop for everybody. And I think that's, that's I think I'm that's glad great. you see that because that's I think that's also unique. That really wasn't done. You know, they, people benefited from siloing advisors, and I just think it's a mistake. I think it's a huge mistake because people, as you said, deserve to be in certain channels based upon. And also people, there's movement between channels. So the one constant is that we have all this movement. How can you have a publication that's only one thing if people are moving between things? So, I mean, you want to talk to everybody. Absolutely. So I want you to remember putting your management hat on for a minute and give some advice to advisors out there that, that maybe they're not at the financial number that's stopping them, but they hit a number, they hit a wall and they just don't go past that. And it's not from lack of effort. It's just lack of missing a couple fundamental things. What are those things that you normally see out there that you go, you fix that, that's normally the game changer. All right. I'll tell you a story. Just got to give me a minute with it. It's a story I love to tell. So I don't think you would maybe have heard it before, but it's about the coach who comes into an advisor's office. You've heard about this one and he's comes in and the advisor's like, I'm too busy. And he goes, well, look, I've been increasing people's business. It's 30% a year. And he goes, just I don't have time for this. And he goes, well, I work with Marvin upstairs and I work with Mike down the hall. And he goes, those are the two top producers in this guy's office. He's like, oh, okay, well, what do you do? He goes, I work with their socks. And they change. And he starts throwing them out the door. He closes the door. He goes, that guy's nuts. But he's intrigued. He sees all the facts and figures. He calls up Mike and Marty. He goes, you work with this guy? He goes, yeah. He goes, you can't believe it. The socks, I'm doing 35%. The other guy goes, I'm doing 40% better. He goes, I can't believe this. He calls the coach. goes, okay, whatever it costs, I'm in. Coach goes, good. I'm going to email. I'm going to send you a package of socks. They're going to arrive at seven o'clock in the morning. I want you to be there. And he goes, I know it sounds crazy. We may have to change the socks during the day. I want to talk to you. So at seven o'clock at night, I'm going to call you and we're going to go over the socks. Okay. He starts doing this. He changes them some days from green to red, only whatever the coach tells him to do. And in a quarter, his business is up 25%. Now, he may think it's the socks, but it's the fact that he's in the office at seven in the morning and he leaves at seven at night. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters in one way at all what you concentrate on. Just work hard. Every advisor knows what they have to do. They don't need me to, they don't need me to tell them, but they got to get their ass in the office and they got to sit there and work. And you could be inefficient. There could be things you're doing that are easy to tell, oh, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. I have no problem with the thought of getting a coach and asking a question, where can I be better and everything else? But at the end of the day, it's going to be work. You know how to do the job. You wouldn't have 10 clients if you didn't know how to do the job. You know how to talk to people. You just have to get yourself organized and you got to realize work. We talked about lazy guys who get fat and happy. That's okay. No one can force you to do more. And I also think um, ADD affects one out of every one financial advisor. So if you keep moving around and switching from one to the other and not putting your head down doing it, I've never found any advisor in my career. And I've managed, literally managed the top advisors in the United States and 20 something year management career, hard work is the only factor that actually fixes things and makes things better. Here's the truth because I normally won't get that answer, but that is the truth. It's it, nothing replaces hard work 
and working on the right things too. <laughs> and I would, but I would even say, no, it doesn't matter. Just work and you'll get it. Even if you're working wrong, it'll still work out. That's the beauty of this business. You're doing something stupid, keep doing it. Eventually you'll get some people to come and do your tent. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Just work hard and then you'll see the advisors that succeed. It's just ultimately it's their work ethic that makes, they're in there at seven o'clock at night and they're in there at seven in the morning. That's why they're doing well. And what would be, last final question here, putting your consultant role on, what's the future of financial advising? We're seeing advisors going into, I think the average advisor now is 62 years old, I think I read something like that, an amazing transition. We're talking a lot about next gen and how to get next gen. It's very different for me to talk, I'm talking to younger advisors about that. It's a different concept that I'm kind of comfortable with or used to. I guess I'm, a, I'm an old young 40s guy, but where's the business in five, 10, 20 years from now? Well, I think you, you hit it. There's where the business is aging and I'm not sure that we have an answer and the answer is going to settle itself out. Part of it is what we talked about that meeting in the middle and the different firms and what's important to you. I think there are some basic things changing. I'm going to, I don't, we could talk about this for now, right? What's going to happen. Um, but I do think there are things that are coming up, but let's just stick with even the succession and the aging. Cause you, you brought that up. You can go to a lot of independent firms, but they have no succession plan for you. They have no capital to help you buy your book. They have no no way to make your succession a success, right? And you can go to a, a firm that's a little more organized or a regional or a wire, and certainly the wires will take care of you. They have a program that you know will work, and they'll bring teammates in. This is an age also of people not wanting to work as much. It's hard to build a team and get teammates. These are things you have to acknowledge. I think that'll work itself out a little bit because the economy has trouble. But I think the future is going to belong to those firms in the middle and those firms that get some scale. I think we can, get, we can get really specific, but I think some of the time of the charismatic leader of the RIAs, of which I was one, hopefully right at the time, I think that's going to peter out. I think, but I don't think we're at the end of our innings. We're probably in the fourth or fifth inning now, you know, so there's still a lot of room to go. But I do think it's going to start to matter of the flavor in the middle that you pick. And a lot of you, you're mentioning age as the older we get, you have to be thoughtful about who you pick and where and why. That being said, there's huge opportunity to start an RIA or work with an RIA that can sell for a huge multiple and you still own your book and everything else, but you walk away with another four, five, $6 million. That wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I mean, that that's obviously the, the future. It's funny because you know when you're on the employee channel, which I was for many years, and then you go to the independent channel, you don't know about the RIA channel. That's like a whole different world, but it's really not that different of a world. It's just nobody's ever taught it to you. And so it's new. And I've noticed even your magazine and Advisor Hub, and I noticed other financial planning type of websites and magazines are now starting to talk a lot more about RIAs. It, it seems to be, as you said, it's not the end. It's I think you're right in the middle of the game, as you said. Yeah. And so if I would say what's dead center of that group, multi-custodial, multi-platform and equity. Yep. Some version of those things. And equity, by the way, doesn't have to mean you own a piece of that. It's just enterprise value that maybe you can sell your book back or they'll buy it or they'll succession or you own your own book. There's a lot of ways to look at equity. Specifically for the older advisors though, I've been offered private equity myself and backed away from it because I was as young and growing. And so why trade yourself at such a short multiple? And, and you said two bad words, private equity. I'm not sure that's the answer for most people because advisors, it's like the cobbler's kids have no shoes. They don't ask the right questions. They shake hands. Oh, this sounds great. And I'm like, they don't even know that they're a different tranche. These guys are going to get out. They got to make their 20 something percent and they're not concerned about you. And I always say, and one of the big things, and I'll talk about it in my predictions is business guys versus deal guys. So the we have 
have a lot of deal guys in this business and you have to understand as an advisor who just, you want a business guy. You want somebody who can do or man or woman. You need somebody who understands a business is going to help you grow your business, will help build a business, not just making a play. Because yep. between when the deal is made and the next deal, you're a cog. You don't want that. You want somebody who's a business person that's going to build a business, not cobble together a bunch of stuff and sell it out from under you because they're going to get paid first. They're not dumb. And I think those the latter is unfortunately, it's really coming into the marketplace pretty hard. And advisors really have to look out for themselves and what they're doing because I've seen a couple of advisors already get taken advantage of and it's... But you, again, it depends on the, it depends on the advisor, right? It depends on. And you got to ask, you got to ask, don't be afraid to ask questions. That's what we need to do. 100%. Yeah. Tony, it was a pleasure having you. If anybody does want to get a hold of you and no, you cannot reach Tony and ask to be in the, in, in the magazine, but just to say hello and comments, where should they reach you? Uh, they can reach me. I think, I think all my info is actually on the site. I, I do that because I know every day I get calls from people. So <laughs> calls and letters and emails, feel free to, to reach out. Happy, happy to talk. Absolutely. And if, for those that have not checked out Advisor Hub, get the get on the email list first and foremost. It's the first email I check of the day. It either brings a laugh to my face or I see a friend or somebody moving firms and it's always an interesting thing. So Tony, thanks again for coming on. For those of you out there, hopefully you're enjoying the show and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs>